0: Heyo! It's the No Name Ever podcast with your host Jamie Smith.
2: Good evening and welcome to tonight's Premier League No Name Ever podcast. James Adamo with me this evening. Um, lots to get through as ever. Despite the end of the season, Burnley um, drew two all away at Reading on Saturday. Danny's back on the score sheet and Scott Arfield as well. Uh, a couple of con- controversies in the game itself. And we'll look ahead at the release of the retained list that we expect to be at some point in the next couple of weeks, as well as some potential transfer targets for the summer as well. Um, you two were both at the game over the weekend, so we'll start with that, as always. James, what did you make of the match? It was a funny one, I suppose, in a way, in that Burnley' season was effectively over, but Reading were fighting for sixth. It must have been a really strange sort of atmosphere.
3: Yeah, I think it was a classic game of two halves. Really, um, first half we looked the much better side. Um, you're barring the early first goal. Um, second half, I think Reading looked like they really wanted to obviously to get something out of the game. I was a little bit disappointed that um, that late on they didn't try and really give more to it because obviously they really needed a win. I mean, I know at one point it was looking like a drill was going to be enough, but um, they were relying on other people if they did that. So I was a bit surprised that. They didn't properly go for it and I thought the atmosphere was at, at times a bit, a bit strange. It was very good to start with but there were times when the, you could tell the crowd got very tense and I think it showed on the pitch as well.
2: It's always difficult in that situation, isn't it? I mean, I think the closest we've come to being in that situation was when um, when Gazza came on loan and we needed to to better somebody else's result by a goal or something, and ended up missing out on the last playoff spot by a goal. But then, because we sort of knew what we needed, we knew that we needed another goal. We were really pushing for it. Whereas, as you say, it seemed like Reading were hoping everything was going to stay as it was. And by the time Brighton scored, they didn't have any time to do anything after that. So they were basically playing for playing for time as it was, and got undone by the late goal at Brighton, which is, is football for you typically dramatic end of the season um, Adam you were at Reading as well it was typical Burnley in a way in that we went behind but continued fighting to the end even though you could you could have forgiven the players if they'd have been mentally on the holidays already
1: yeah I think that was something that was most impressive um, about the, the performance on uh, Saturday um, as you say you, you could have forgiven some some kind of laziness and tiredness even because we've been going all season now we've been going strong um, but we really didn't give up. We we were fighting, and you could even see it right at the end. Jason Shackle was shouting at his defence to get get sorted when, when uh, Reading were bombarding us with kind of long balls into the box. Um, so that that was really nice to see. Yeah.
2: And of course, one of the most important things probably from the game was that Danny Eanes got his goal, which was unfortunately not enough for. But those of us who bet on him to be um, the top scorer in the Championship each way, I think he ended up missing out on that by one goal. So the save that um, Alex McCarthy made at 2-1 to us, I think, the one-on-one turned out to, to cost quite a lot of us a bit of money, so annoyingly in a way. But great to see Danny Eats back on the score sheet, wasn't it, James? It was a lovely goal as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's long overdue. Um, apart from the Blackburn goal, I think it's the end of February since he'd actually scored. That's the only goal
2: he scored in about three months, I think.
3: Yeah, and it it was really starting to tell. Um, Every time he missed a chance, he looked really frustrated. I think it was particularly evident uh, in the last home game. You know, he he had a lot of good chances and he he hit the bar and, uh, you know, it was more sort of bad bounces for him. It just wasn't really going his way. He did everything he could, but he just couldn't score. So it was really good to see him score, especially with such a a good goal as well, that that quick turn and, and shot. Um, so it's actually probably one of his best in quite a while I mean I, we spoke about Danny Ings quite a lot on
2: the podcast in the last few weeks and we spoke about how he seemed frustrated and that it, it just needed one really to go in um, his overall performance at the weekend Adam how did you feel he played in, in the context of the rest of the scene did he look like he was standing out compared to everyone else
1: I mean it was quite a good performance from from everyone apart from I thought Heaton had a bit of a dodgy game for the first time in a, in a while, um, but every everyone had a good performance. Really, it was really weird in that we kind of we we drew, but we felt um, it kind of felt like a, a win because because of the the kind of atmosphere and stuff. But Danny Ings, you can always guarantee one thing, and that's that it will work hard for the team. And he he really was working hard defensively, closing people down like the the whole whole of the um the Burnley side.
2: Of course, another goal for Scott Arfield as well. I think that was nine for the season, which um, surely puts him up there for, for our own player of the year. I know the Cubs awards were last night and we'll come on to that a little bit later in the show, but I'm sure, Arfield will be one of the contenders and our own awards will be, um, we'll go into detail on that on next week's podcast. We will continue for a couple of weeks into the summer before winding down. Um, okay. But the goal of the day, undoubtedly, James was there equally. Gareth McClellie caused his problems all day and a stupendous volley, wasn't
3: it? Oh, that's that's an unreal strike. Unreal strike. And, uh, you know, he'll probably feel very, very unlucky that, you know, they haven't made the playoffs because, to be honest, a a goal like that deserves to win a game. That was an absolutely top draw draw strike. And it leaves Tom Eaton with absolutely nothing to do about it. You know, no keepers getting to a
2: straw like that We've had a, a couple of comments on the, the live chat already if you are listening through Mixler this evening please do get in touch with the comments always makes a good show and if you're listening through Twitter as well you can use uh, the hashtag NNNpod well, Adam, you're getting a little bit of the stick <laughs> privately about uh, your comments on Tom Heaton. Do you want to just explain what you meant by that? What? Well, so what I meant was,
1: I didn't mean <laughs> that he had a bad game. Like he, he did make some really good saves, and he, but, but the the communi- communication between him and the uh, and the defence was sometimes um, just a, a bit off. Like he hadn't hasn't had many off days this season, but some of the the communication bit with the defence was was a bit dodgy. You saw that when he when uh, the the whole of the the ground kind of, um kind of appealed that he went out of the the area with with the ball in his hands uh, he didn't but like it was a sign that the communication wasn't wasn't um wasn't all there um but i like everyone's saying he, he made some great shot stop stops uh stops and um i totally agree with that um but i still stand by the fact that he, he didn't communicate as well as uh with his defense um, as he usually has.
2: That's strange, that, because that, I think communication is one of my strengths. A couple of comments have come in already on Heat and Roger says he had great games to make some stops and Rick says he wasn't dodgy at all, so that's put you right. <laughs> that's probably why you don't speak on the podcast very often if people are just going to tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> going back to Danny Ing, Sean Dyche has already been talking about the Championship Player of the Year and um, the potential for keeping him... Um just go through the choice quotes. Obviously we all know what Sean Dash talks and it's a bit management speaks some sometimes, but his quotes are the board has already made it clear that Danny was not for sale and that's why we had no bids for him in January. They made it clear the year before with Charlie Austin. We've been strong like that, so that's a good thing. Obviously, when a player is playing well, and we've had a number this year, there are always rumours, there's always people floating around, that's always people looking. It's that yin and yang scenario, you want the team to do well. When it does well, you get other people coming and saying why they're doing well and they look at your players. Um, so, basically, that doesn't really say a lot about uh, Danny's future, but I think Ings' own comments at the Player of the Year Awards last night, I don't know if you've seen the video that um, the club put on YouTube, Um, but he he seems to be looking ahead to a future at Burnley. Um, He's only got one year left on his contract, Danny Ings, so of course that will uh, play a factor this summer, and it will depend, I suppose, what sort of clubs are in in for him in the summer. But James, would it make sense if Ings signed at least a one-year extension um, with a release clause for next summer, knowing that he's going to play every week for us, whereas if he goes somewhere else, he might only be on the bench most weekends.
3: Yeah, I think so. I'm, I mean, early in the season, he made some comments about um, the the Zaha situation at Man United, and, and I think from that he realises that you know, as a young player, he really wants to be playing first-team games, and uh, and obviously going to a big side that might not happen. Uh, obviously, it, it happened for. For year, he went to a bigger club, but that's before we were a Premier League side. So um you gotta think I think it'd be in everyone's interest for him to, to sign at least a year, maybe a couple more. Um because you know, you can always put a release clause in there saying certain bid comes in, certain team comes in, you know, certain scenario occurs, that there's a you know, there's a close there for him to be released for for a fair price. Um but he, he seems, you know, from what he said at the point of the year to to understand that uh, his best chance for first team footballs at Burnley and, and I think he wants to carry on building what we've started this season
2: I think with things as well you wonder if his injury record will, will play a factor, I mean this could probably work both ways but obviously his first couple of years at Burnley were disrupted quite heavily with injury and this is a, the first year really when he's he's been able to play a whole season and we've seen that rewarded with 26 goals even though he did have that little dry spell and the, the period I injured but You wonder if the the offer of a big payday maybe sways him knowing that he's had these injury problems or is the the argument on the other side you could say that we stood by him during that period. We could have sold him to Bournemouth last summer and decided we wanted to keep him. I think Bournemouth's offer was about a million pounds, which looks ridiculous now considering the sort of money people are talking talking about for him this summer. So, yeah, it's all in the air about Danny Ings. Adam, what do you make of the, the Ings situation? Do you think we'll be able to get him to sign an extension?
1: I, I think his comments in that that YouTube video you were talking about kind of say, oh, he, he is still talking about the, the kind of group. So I, I don't like there were rumours spreading around on Twitter and various sites that he, he'd refused um, to to go into talks, and I think that's that's rubbish. Like, um, I, I think I, I'd like to think he'd want to stay to kind of reward and reward the fans and the and the, the basically his squad. Like he you knows. They're a very um, tight knit squad. Squad, um, so surely, surely he'd want to stay in the team that he's uh, he's comfortable in and knows well, and knows he he fits in well, and there's a there's a good team ethic there. Um, so I, I'd like to think we 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 would uh, he would sign uh, an extension.
2: It shouldn't be in any rush, should he, Danny? I mean, um, he's 21 right now, isn't he? he? Turns 22 over the summer, I think. So he's Still got so much of his career ahead of him. He doesn't need to be rushing to sign for a big club and sitting on the bench every week. So I would be hoping that it's only for another year and then have a cause saying that if such and such team offers such and such amount, then we could um, sell him even in January, if not next summer. Kieran Trippier is in the same situation, probably similar sorts of comments, James, but... Trippier and Ings both seem to get the club, don't they? Do you think that's going to be a factor in the contract talks? So I'm sure if they haven't already started,
3: they will be happening in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Karen is a, maybe an even uh, bigger cert to, to want to sign a new deal. Um, I read some comments a while ago. I can't remember where it was now um, about how how difficult he found it leaving Man City, um, at a side where he'd been quite settled, and he'd. He'd been there a long time, involved in the setup, but he obviously wasn't getting the opportunities he needed at the first team level. Um, so I think he really likes to be be settled in a place, and know a club, and as a result, I think he'd he'd want to, you know, sign an extension at Burnley. And I think in some cases, you look at it as it's helping Burnley because obviously uh, we're in a better bargaining position if a bigger side does come in. And obviously, I'm sure Kieran knows that the club will always be fair to him. Um and that first season at least in the Premier League that we obviously guaranteed, I think you can make a bigger impact playing at a team that are maybe scrapping for relegation than you can playing at a team that are sort of mid table top half. Because you'll really stand out in a in a poor team if that is the case. Um and people I think always remember a, a player who was, you know, sensational in a in a relegation side. I think that's a very good point, and especially when
2: We've seen a lot of Kieran Trippier's attacking in the last couple of years and he, he has always stood out as certainly one of our better players and I thought for a while now that he's above championship level but his he's defending doesn't get tested a lot at championship level and that's perhaps because teams are a bit wary of going forward down that wing because they know Trippier can hurt them on the attack so it will be interesting to see how teams go up against Trippier because I, I think one of his weaknesses is maybe that he is a little bit susceptible to especially in a early on in games so it'll be very interesting to see how he steps up whether it is with us or not and um, Adam what about your thoughts on trippy do you think it's similar sort of situations Wings? do you think it maybe be a bit of a package deal or get them both to stay maybe
1: yeah i th- I think as james said he re- he does really get the get the club and what it's all about and and as you say he wants to be settled somewhere and um I, like Ings, I'd like to think that he, um, he, he'd want to sign a contract and stay here. Um, yeah, I'm sure discussions
2: will be going on already about um, new contracts for Ings Trippier, if not a couple of the others, and uh, obviously the retain list that we will come to shortly on the podcast as well. Shaw Dash as well, I think he's only got a year left on his contract, so I'm sure they'll be looking at rewarding the manager with... A new contract. So that's all, all up in the air. I think at the minute. Um, the retain list. We have had one hint this evening, and I'm afraid it's extremely bad news for for our own James Bird, who is Brian Stock's number one fan. But it looks like Brian Stock's going to be leaving the club. Which is no surprise, really. I suppose given how little he has played uh, this season in particular. Stock tweeted only about an hour ago, he said he wants to say a big thanks to all the players, staff and fans of Burnley FC for making my two years here a memory I will never forget. Great club and then a little emoticon of a waving hand. So that's quite conclusive, it looks like Brian Stock will be moving on. That might be the start of a mini exodus, I would suspect, among the contract players, Uh, just to run through who they are. Uh, Michael Kitley, obviously on loan at the minute. Chris Baird's short-term deal will run out this summer. There's Daniel Lafferty as well, David Edgar, Junior Stanislas and Keith Tracy, um, as well as Michael Duff. Um, I think we've done this topic <laughs> in each of the last few podcasts, James, but are we all on the same page that it will be probably a permanent deal for um, Kitely, new contracts for Duff and Baird, and then maybe everyone else go?
3: Um. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's going to be quite obvious uh, the people you expect to stay. But saying that, obviously, you never know in football, and and you it could be a surprise in there. But I, to be honest, I can't really really see a, a lot of the people um, that sticking around who are out of contract. It's it's
2: difficult, isn't it? Because a lot of them have been bit part players this season. So you you think if they're not good enough to play a key role in the championship, what would be the chance of them doing that, but I'm sure um, Dash will be doing the right thing by the players as well. And we don't want to speculate too much on these players' futures because they are human beings at the end of the day, with mortgages and families to look after as well. Um, but just to touch on that briefly, Adam, do you agree it's going to be the same sort of thing? Probably a permanent deal for Michael Carr. There's rumours there's, rumors there's a, a clause in the loan deal that means we're sort of obliged to buy him.
1: Yeah, I think I think Kylie has kind of proved f- proven in the uh, in the last few games that he's he's worth a permanent contract. So I can't see him not getting one. Um, he, he's another one that in all of his interviews has kind of mentioned next season and and how he, he wants to go like go and give it a good shot in the Premier League and and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, I think it's likely. Um, yeah, the only other one, really, the kind of debatable one, is Stanislas, and whether he gets a a new deal. I know you'll be keen. You'll be keen to for him to get a new deal, but um, I, I, it all depends on whether whether Dyche thinks he's he's worth it. I'm sort of torn
2: on Junior because I'd love to see him go somewhere and play every week and be really appreciated. So I sort of want to see him go, but also I'd love to see him stay at Burnley as long as he's going to play. So. Yeah, quite torn on Junior. Looking forward to seeing what happens with him because, yeah, I think he's probably one that people would be quite split on. So, yeah, interesting to see what happens with Junior Stanislas. Um, talking about Kaitly, I'm sure Michael is going to be one of the leading contenders for the last Player of the Month award of the season. Um, obviously, all the club awards have been done and dusted, but we're a, a week or so behind because of uh, the timings of it. So, our... The last player of the month award is for April and May. Six games uh, to go through. Burnley quite good during the month. Of course, sealed promotion. Uh, the results were a draw at Watford, a win at Barnsley, defeat at to Middlesbrough, a win at Blackpool, beating Wigan at home, beating Ipswich at home, and then a draw at Reading. Um, the votes are open now. We've had plenty of votes coming in. Quite a widespread, I think, a number of leading candidates for the last month because of, of how it's played out in the, the various roles that people have played Um there's a poll on the site now, I think, and you can vote through Twitter as well, using the hashtag P O T M. That poll will be open for a few days, so please do contribute. And then after that is closed, we will start rolling out the the season awards, and we'll go through all those on next week's podcast. That's the the timeline that we're working to on that. Um, but James, if we can start with you, who's your nomination for the April slash May Northern Never Burnley Express Player of the Month Award?
3: I think it's really tough, but um, it's a it's a split between Ashley Barnes, I think, and, and Michael Carney. But I'm going to I'm going to give it to Michael Carney for the obviously the goal at Blackpool, and then his goal that that topped off the game at Wigan against Wigan. Um, I think he's eventually shown with those two goals what we'd sort of all wanted from him all season, um, which is a little bit more goal scoring. And I know he's accepted that he hasn't really scored as many as he'd like, um, but I think obviously that shows a promising sign for if we do keep him for next season. Yeah, his record looks a lot better with
2: those three games in three, three goals in three successive games. Sorry, I, I agree. I don't think he really showed enough uh, for a lot of the season, but we've probably seen the true Michael Kylie in the last few weeks, and he's probably playing for that permanent deal. But yeah, was, um good to see him getting on the score sheet really important goals as well. The winner at Blackpool, absolutely vital. Uh, the goal against Ipswich as well. Obviously we were up and done and dusted by then, but really good to see him continuing that form. I'm sure we'll see the best of him next thing. You then Adam, are you a
1: Kitely fan as well, or is there somebody else you'd like to make a case for? I'm gonna be really boring and say Kitely too, basically for the same reasons as as James has has kind of laid out. Um there's not really like if we're given an award for the the most improved or most like obvious player, it's got to be Michael Kiley. Like, um, I don't see there's there's much option. Even though the whole squad, as always, have been have been top notch this this month, really. I think we have had uh,
2: nominations for a few different players already. Um, I can't tell you how the vote stands at the minute, actually, because I haven't counted myself, but I know there's been votes for Shackle and Marnie and Barnes, as well as a few others, I think. So uh, not necessarily a runaway for Michael Keitley, although we are all agreed on the podcast this evening that Keitley is the outstanding candidate. Um, Player of the year last night at the club um, went to Sam Volks which is quite interesting considering he's been injured for the last few weeks. And I think Danny Ng's got the Players' Player of the Year award and goal of the season went to the Barnes' goal against Wigan that effectively sealed promotion. So, um, yeah, we'll be doing our own next week on the podcast, but it'll be interesting to see how much correlation there is there. And the whole of this week we're going to, or next week, in the next couple of weeks we'll have posts on the site about some of the leading candidates for the Player of the Year award before we do open the poll to you lot. Um, I'm sure there'll be arguments made for a huge array of players. Players like Arfield, Shackle, Ings, Volks, Jones, Marnie. There's going to be all sorts of players being argued for. Trippier, Heaton, pretty much everyone in the team. So there'll be plenty of chance for everyone to have their say. Um, just looking ahead a little bit, we talked about our own out contract players. There are a few others already sort of coming through with with teams bringing their season to an end um, at the weekend. One player who's been released. Um, already is Chris Eagles, the former Burnley winger, Bolton have let him go, and Tyrone Mears as well. Um, some fans suggesting that they'd have Chris Eagles back at Burnley, which I think is absolutely bizarre, considering we've probably got four wingers at the minute who are better than him, but he's <laughs> one that is sure to be talked about all summer. Um, and the one I wanted to mention was actually Lloyd Dyer at Leicester, who's been promoted with us, but Dyer looks like he's going to go on a free. Um, James, what are your thoughts on those two players in particular? And Has anyone else caught your eye from the, the released players elsewhere so far?
3: Um, I wouldn't say I was really caught my eye yet. I'm one of those people who could maybe be tempted to have Chris Eagles back. Um, I think by all counts he was good for Bolton last season, but um, he seems to have not turned up this season. I think he's a bit of a, a rich man's junior, Stanislas, in that he's... A, the exact sort of same player he can play really well one week and then you know off the bench and then next week he starts and he's completely anonymous and you don't even realise he's there um but I think we saw in the Premier League the Premier League did suit him a little bit more than than the Championship though he's still exactly the same in that he's like most wingers are very very inconsistent but probably more inconsistent than than most um Lloyd Dyer is an interesting one. Obviously, he's played a good role at Leicester this season. Um, and it just depends really on on what sort of system Sean Dash wants to play and whether he'd, he'd fit into that. I think that's true. I mean,
2: I think we said on the podcast last week that um, we'll probably see more a type of, of character as much as a type of player coming in over the summer. Of course, Scarfield um, sums that up perfectly. Everyone wondered what we were playing at going for Scarfield. Um, and he's turned out to be one of our most play, important players. So, yeah, I'm sure there will be some surprises in the summer. Um, Dier was the one that caught my eye in particular just because of his his sheer pace. He's much quicker than probably all of our attackers at the minute and I think pace is going to be very important. Goals, scole, scores goals even, excuse me, can't get my words out this evening. I think he's got 10 this season, which is fantastic for a winger. Um, so yeah I think Dyer's a really interesting show um, Adam what would your thoughts be on a potential return of Chris Eagles and what do you make of Lloyd Dyer a couple of potential wingers
1: I'd definitely say no no to the Eagles because it was so patchy <laughs> last time and like he didn't exactly set the pre- premiership on light, uh, on fire when he went to Bolton and went, went there for a few years um, but on Lloyd, Lloyd Dyer I wonder if we'll be looking to get some like um, resale value out of the player and Lloyd Dyer is thirty one now, so you you wonder um, whether that that will kind of put Sean Dyesh off. But I think as you say, with with Sean Dysh, it's um it's kind of a question of the character of the player as well as their like the actual uh, kind of raw talent. Um, but we we do need pace in this side so if, if Sean Dyes thinks he's right then I kind of trust Sean Dyche now. Uh, Yeah, I get that. That's an excellent point. I
2: mean, we can speculate as much as we want about players, and I'm sure we will all summer, but I think um, there's probably only Ryan Noble, isn't there, that's gone a little bit wrong, and some of the backup goalkeepers that were never likely to play this season, but pretty much everyone else we signed has been excellent. I mean, Heaton, Jones, Arfield, three of the best free transfers you could hope for, and Ashley Barnes, although the jury's maybe out from a few people, and I'd probably put myself in that group come up trumps with big goals, a winner at Barnsley and the goal against Wigan, absolutely vital as well. So he's played his part. And for, I think the fee for Barns was only £450,000. So can't really complain about how, what sort of return we've got out of Barns. Um, just one point on the resale value for, for Dyer. I think if you're bringing in players on a free, you don't have to be too concerned by that. But it probably his wages as much as anything, which will be problematic for, for Dyer. Um, Chris Bader positive we will do a deal for Chris Baird and there's absolutely no resale value there so I think you have to get a balance on that I'm sure some of the players we want to sign will be players with big resale value um, probably more attackers than defenders but I don't think we can be too concerned about that for everyone as long as they're going to make an impact Uh, a couple of comments to go through Roger points out that it's usually someone unknown that Sean gets hold of. Exactly, I think there'll be players in the mould of Scott Arfield. Maybe not discarded by Huddersfield, but certainly players that you wouldn't expect us to be to, to be going in with. Uh, Mike says, Sean will be on the ball with some unexpected magic. Uh, Salman says, Dyer works his socks off game in, game out. Work rate is excellent with Lloyd Dyer, so maybe he does fit in there. Mike says, Arfield has been the deal of the decade. Um, just finally on Dyer, Roger says, the premise a different kettle of fish. Why are less the letting him go? Is it something to do with injuries? I think it's uh, money, possibly, with Lloyd Dyer. I haven't seen the quotes, but seems to be suggested in the report that I read that they just couldn't come to an agreement. So maybe finances, maybe... The only one to offer him one year and he wants two. I don't know. It's all speculation. I have no idea, but it looks like he is going to be going. Um, Leicester have got a few players out of contracts, actually. I just read that Kasper Schmeichel, the goalkeeper who was in the team of the year, he's out of contracts and they haven't done a deal with him. So Leicester could be without quite a few players for next season. And I'm sure we'll be keeping an eye on the sort of players they go for because they're in the same boat as us getting promoted. So certainly one to keep an eye on. Um just to come back to what we were talking about then, the Player of the Month award is open. The vote is on the site. I think it's the second article down. Um, lots of leading contenders, so please do join in with your votes and you can vote on Twitter as well with hashtag carrots, P-O-T-M, and we'll get that announced during the week and move on to the to the Player of the Year award as well. Um, one of the things I've been working on for the site that I want to do next is 10 reasons behind Burnley's promotion. I've just shared this with... Um, Adam and James they can have a quick look at at what I've come up with Um, but I was just wondering if if the listeners as well could come up with maybe a couple of factors um, that have played a really important role like to give an example a couple of things that I've mentioned uh, the fitness of the squad and the fact that we've only used a a few different players Uh, I think Adam you mentioned framework which is a, a very dice term what is it about the framework that's been so important
1: this season I mean like I I kind of just use that because it's a, a bit of a mantra, the framework, um relentlessness, um all, all different things. Um but the framework has kind of provided a base on which we can build as a team, we can kind of um we can kind of um make sure we're we're defensively sound but also have that balance going up front. You can we can break uh, we're, we're not like a, a team that's geared towards breaking, but we, we can do it. Um it, it just provided like a kind of foundation for, for everything that's that's um happened this season really.
2: I think I think my take on the framework is that it's it's the sort of foundations that everything's built around, isn't it? I mean you don't see this Burnley team getting beat heavily and I think that's partly down to the framework which is everyone working so hard and Denying the opposition space, so I, I think that's what's meant by the framework. And Dash is always keen to say that these hesitant <laughs> say buzzword because that <laughs> sounds like it's bullshit in that case. But these terms that users like framework, they are authentic in that everything that we do is built with that in mind. Market so <laughs> it's not just something that they say; it is something that they obviously focus on on the training ground on a, a daily basis, probably.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's always easy if you like if you use a word and you get it drummed into people's heads. May, maybe it's easier to to kind of manage um, then if if you keep like emphasizing the word framework, then they'll know what that means and and kind of react to it better. I, I don't know. I'm kind of second guessing, but maybe that's the case. I, I, I really don't know.
2: It would be. I think it'd be interesting to get the view of the players on on what exactly they understand the the frameworks would be because. Maybe they've got a different idea towards. I'm sure that would be absolutely fascinating to to get that insight. Um,
1: <laughs> it's like a, it's a very wide ranging term, really, isn't it? It's like it could be like the tactics. It could be the whole man- mentality, even, couldn't it? So you don't really know what is meant is meant by it. I think that's why Burnley fans were were somewhat sceptical in in the first season when he kept talking about this framework and we are getting this framework in place, and no, none of us really know, knew what it meant. And now we're kind of praising it but we still don't really know what it means i think i think that's
2: been one of the the overall trends of the whole season that slowly but surely people have learned to to trust the gaffer and i think as fans we've bought into these ideas just as much as the players have um relentless is one that i think's really caught on and um i think kevin's been working on a t-shirt that is hopefully going to go on sale in the next few days um which will be available to buy. That'll be our latest in the known and ever shop, which I think is net slash shop or actually... slash shirts. So that should be up in the next few days. And I think Relentless is, is one of the, the really key things, and we've seen that in the last two games in particular when promotion's been secured, that we haven't eased off at all. And that's been possibly the, the defining factor in our season, I would say. Um, James, if I can come to you then, put you on the spot a little bit on this. Um I'm gonna do a top ten factors behind promotion for the site, but what would be your top one? What do you think's been the most important thing?
3: I think I think number one's fitness. Um you know, the way that, that Dash has got got the guys into shape has meant that every game they they run for the full ninety minutes. I uh, I think it's been a big part of why we've had a lot a lot less injuries than most sides. Um, you know, because people say it's luck I don't think it. I don't think it's luck I think if you prepare properly, you do minimise your risk of injury. And clearly, we prepared properly in pre-season, and, and fitness was sort of the the basis of that. It was the foundation. I think that was absolutely spot on. And like you say, the the
2: the number of injuries that we've had, um, I think proves that. And the sports science team at, at Burnley do a lot of work on these sorts of minimising the risk of muscle injuries and things like that, and you're right, if you do prepare in the right way, you cut the chance of these things happening. Obviously, things like what happens to Sam Volts, they can just happen and you can't really do much about those apart from trying to um, help him get back to, to fitness as much as as possible, but it's the, the strength and conditioning work that I'm sure they did over the summer and during the pre-season, that will been absolutely vital and I think that stands us in good stead for, for next season as well. The fact that you can be sure we'll be among the fittest teams in the league again. and Although we're not going to be able to compete in some other ways, like we're not going to have players like David Silver or or Juan Mata or Eden Hazard to to open up defences, we are going to be sure that the team's going to be able to run for 90 minutes every week, which is um, maybe not the the nicest way to put it, but uh, it's going to be very important for next season that we do have players doing that. Um, Just finally then, to go back to the Reading game, um, Gordon Ross, who does our player ratings on the site, he had Jason Shackle as his man of the match. There was one slightly controversial incident, wasn't there? The handball um, shout in the first minute. James, did you get a good view of that incident? I think Shackle felt he was pushed by the striker in the first place.
3: I completely couldn't see it, because unfortunately <laughs> I, had a, I had a banister rail and a pillar between me and and that area of the box. Um, so all I saw was the ball go in and then everyone go... Oh, penalty! And uh, I completely missed what had actually happened, and then I missed catch it on Sky as well because I've still so been at what, what had just gone on. <laughs> I I
2: have I've only seen it on the replay afterwards, but it looked like he maybe did get a little push in the back, and then it seemed to to hit him and then bounce onto his arm. So maybe it would have been a little bit harsh, but I can see why Reading will were asking for it, it as the first minute of a game that they really needed to win, and they obviously felt a little bit hard done by. Did you get a good look at that incident, Adam, or did you also have a pillar in your way?
1: I I didn't have a pillar in my, in my <laughs> way, but I, I still haven't got a clue whether it was actually handball. I was a bit kind of wound up in the in the atmosphere at that point. It was a very good atmosphere in the away end, um, so so it was kind of uh, away away with the atmosphere rather than actually concentrating on the game, uh, which which. Perhaps isn't the the best thing to do when you've paid money for a, a ticket, but, <laughs> <laughs> but still, you know. Um, one of
2: the things Gordon pointed out as well on Shackle, who he did make his man of the match, was the, the goal line clearance that he made, I think, um, towards the end of the game, I think that was. Um, goal line clearances have been a, a little feature of our play in the last few weeks, haven't they? There was the trippier one at, at Blackpool in the last couple of minutes as well that a goal-saving clearance, although James was sure he was going to save it anyway. I'm, I'm not convinced. 100%. The Shackle one certainly. <laughs> I'm still convinced. The Shackle one certainly. Uh, the Shackle at Reading certainly prevented a goal. Um, I'm sure Shackle will be up there in the mix for for the, the Player of the Season Award that, like I say, we will start talking about next week on the podcast. Shackle will be a leading contender, I am sure. Um, you touched on it briefly, James, but we haven't really talked about it. The, the pitch invasion um, at the end, uh, the Reading fans obviously didn't, the message about the, the Brighton goal clearly didn't filter through because there was, what do you reckon, a few hundred fans on the pitch at the end, even though they have not actually before. got in the
3: top six. It's even more than a time at the finish. But I, I actually, if, I think they did know that Brighton scored uh, because the, the ground did go quiet. Um, cause I think Brighton scored what, was it two minutes into injury time. So the game was still going on and I, I think they did know because the, the game went quiet and, and Adkins could be seen waving his keeper up, obviously knowing that they needed another goal. Um, so what I actually think was happened is that there was a whisper that Forrester got a late equaliser. Um, but it was really bizarre because normally you, you get these situations happen and sort of a little bit of the crowd start making a like a low rumble and then the rest of the crowd sort of join in. But this was almost instantaneous. The whole crowd, sort of building up an atmosphere, uh, and, and people running onto the pitch. And I think it was possibly the most embarrassing picture version I've ever seen. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I I didn't even
2: watch it on Sky; I had the radio on, and I think they'd already um, they'd already gone off air when it happened. The first I was aware of it was actually your picture on Twitter, which went a little bit viral, got a few hundred retweets in it and then got picked up by uh, this sort of spoof accounts that just find good things and then put them on. <laughs> Shamelessly still. <laughs> <laughs> Shamelessly, one of the worst things about Twitter. But yeah, that's the first time I saw it and I just thought it was absolutely bizarre. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The fact that they were celebrating when they hadn't got promoted, I just could not understand what was going on. All the good
3: people on Twitter know to give a hat tip, but uh, clearly not BBC Sport. Uh, but it was a really bizarre situation because everyone in the, because Sky was on in the where, where I was sat, and you they changed it to the Forest game, and you do find with Sky that it's about ten seconds or so behind because I know when I listened to the the Blackpool game um, with uh, the carrots player commentary on my watching Sky, I heard we scored before I saw we scored, um, so instantly obviously everyone wants the the crowd sort of reacted was looking to the TV screen expecting a Forest equaliser sort of imminently and when it never came everyone was like well what on earth are they doing? Um, and, and trying to get the message out to some of the fans who were thinking are, are we in the playoffs? Are we in the playoffs? And, and you know, So everyone was sort of starting to shout Brighton 1-2-1 one, one. Brighton 1-2-1 one, one. you've missed out! Um, so it, it was a very funny sort of confusing situation.
2: I do sort of feel bad for them, but also it's always the, the shard and Freud of seeing other people miserable, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of people enjoy. Reading, of course, do miss out on that last playoff play, so there was late drama elsewhere, as, as Birmingham survived with a, a late goal that sent Doncaster down. Um, as an aside to that, I probably sound like a, an anti-Leicester loony at the minute, and I'm sure there will be conspiracy theories abound if any Leicester fans do listen to it, but... The Leicester goal at the weekend was yet another penalty and yet another dive to win the penalty. So the goal that relegated Doncaster was a blatant piece of cheating by the Leicester attacker. So I'd be absolutely furious if I was a Doncaster fan that got relegated by that goal. But yeah, Birmingham stayed up, Doncaster went down at the end and Brighton got that playoff place and Reading didn't. So the playoffs... Um, not that we're that concerned about the playoffs, I've got to be honest, after our promotion was secured a couple of weeks ago, but the playoffs will be um, Brighton away at Derby first up and Wigan away at QPR. Um, I suppose, Adam, Derby have got to be favourites, haven't they, with them being so far clear of the rest. They've probably got the best team all season, but the playoffs don't want to stay a lottery because I don't think that's true, but anything can happen in the playoffs. Do you wanna make a prediction? What what do you think's gonna happen over the next couple of weeks in those playoffs?
1: I don't I don't really want to A make a prediction and I don't really want Derby to win either, but um <laughs> Um I think they will win. they have proven themselves to be very consistent um since Steve McLaren's taken over. Um and I think they'll they'll get in, in, in the right mindset and and probably win. Um Who knows in the playoffs, as you said, anything can really happen. Um, You never know.
2: It's always interesting to watch, isn't it? I mean, Brighton have got that momentum from sneaking in, but you would think Derby will will get through to the final just because they've proven themselves to be a superior side. And I think the fact that they haven't missed out last minute on promotion, it's been on the cards for a couple of months, really. So it's not like they've got the disappointment of that. And (laughs) they haven't really been contending for automatic promotions seriously so they've been thinking about the playoffs probably since Christmas maybe so I think they'll be prepared and I think Steve McLaren will have them in good shape so I, I think they're probably favorites and um, I just hope QPR don't go up after Joey Barton's latest classless comments on Twitter about the Burnley fans. Um, James what about your view on the playoffs what are you expecting to happen?
3: Uh, to be honest, I can't really see past um, Derby or Wigan to be honest. Uh, I say Wigan because obviously they've got that, that cup mentality. You've seen the run they've gone on this season in the cup, and I think that is probably what you can compare the playoffs to a cup competition. And I think that's why we did so well in it last time round. You know, we were set up well for the big games. I think we had belief in the big games. Um, I think Wigan could be a similar side. Just saying that, obviously, Derby have been very good of late. Um, obviously, if it wasn't for the, the big cushion we built up and obviously our form went on, you, they could have had a shout still at Automatic, but uh, I think it, to, for me it's between those two because QPR just um, sort of seems to be all over the place. If Charlie Austin doesn't score, they very rarely win. Um, <laughs> and they just don't seem to play very good football. They, they just seem to spend a lot of time passing, uh, going absolutely nowhere. Which I think we saw at the turf, and we saw, we've seen countless other times. They just are very wasteful with the ball. I think QPR do have quality in the
2: in the final third. Don't they? It's a case of um, almost what sort of QPR team shows up on the last day, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think my prediction would probably be a Derby Wigan final, which I'm sure a lot of other people are saying as well. And I would expect Derby to come through despite Wigan having that. Um, the cup experience in this season and where Rosler I think has got a couple of scalps from um, previous clubs before he went to William as well Um yeah the playoffs I'm sure we'll, we'll look at in future podcasts as well next week's podcast will be a bit of an awards special uh, the player of the year stuff will all be underway by then Um, Even though the season is over, please do keep an eye on the site. There will be lots and lots of good stuff going on there in the next few days and the next few weeks. We'll look at all the transfer news. Everything you could possibly want from the site will be up there. Um, But do get in touch as well if there's ever anything that you think you'd like to see more of. If you've ever got any feedback, we always like people to get in touch and let us know what they think. Um, we have recently gone through 1,500 posts on the site um, and 10,000 comments, which is amazing, really, less than four years since we started the site. So just briefly, a, a big thank you to everyone who's helped to do the site in that time, everyone who's read Anything on the site, anyone who's contributing in any way, we really couldn't do it without you. So thanks ever so much for that. And we do need to do a thank you as well for our sponsors, Neville G, who have allowed us to do the site in the last couple of years and given us a little bit of leeway in our very tight budget. So thank you very much to Neville G, a local recruitment company. who do a lot of good work in the community as well. Um, so that's about all we have time for this evening. Like I say, we will be back next week with a known and ever uh, award special uh, podcast will be seven-ish on Monday night as usual. Thanks to James and Adam for joining me this evening. Thanks to everyone who's listened. and We'll be back same time next week. Good night.
0: You've been listening to the No Name Never podcast. For more, visit nonanever.net and don't forget follow us on Twitter at nonanever.net Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.